Welcome in everybody to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, episode 99. Double nine. Of Derek and I talking every single week about how not to be youth pastors from all of the vast wisdom we have uh, and, and experience in how not to do our jobs. Wow, I was uh, going to make a pun about vast or vat, you know, like a vat of wisdom being a a pool of wisdom. It's a vast vat of wisdom. Yeah, but I'll just say our, our vat is <laughs> is not very large. Well, the vat can be large, but it's just empty. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. I think it's uh, accurate. Uh, today's episode sponsored by the uh, great business people over at Dunder Mifflin. Incorporated. Dunder Mifflin paper... Uh, paper company but uh as i have for those of you who are following along visually i have a snow globe i guess of dwight schrute yep that was his character in the whole show he's he's uh he's fantastic uh he it was given to me by a student and uh i wanted to make this our sponsor of today's mm-hmm. episode because I heard a news story today that a reboot of The Office is, quote, gaining steam, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. Uh, I feel like I... See, just giving thoughts randomly, despite popular belief, uh, is not something I typically do. I, I need context. Like, is it the same actors? If so, uh, I'm a fan. Is it just an extension of the series? Also a fan. I, I have a lot of questions, but I love The Office. I I will say the idea of a reboot makes me just a little apprehensive because how is it possible to live up to its, the standards of what we have now? I mean, The Office is so good that I feel like if you try to reboot it in any capacity, it's not going to be worth it. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, it's not going to be the same cast Okay. But it is going to be the same universe. Okay. Uh, now, this is not, to be clear, this is not like an official thing yet, but in the conversations they're having, different cast, same universe. So in my mind, what that means is uh, you could have the possibility of some of the original cast doing some cameos. Uh, I, I th- kind of thought it would be interesting for them to, you know, do a do a reboot where they do a documentary of the Utica branch or or one of the other branches sure. yep. uh where you could have uh some of the other people pop in for an episode or two yep. if they're visiting that branch uh but for the most part it's it's an entirely different cast you're not trying to recast somebody else as Michael or Dwight or yep. Jim or uh-huh. Pam uh I I think that's how it could work uh, but my overall opinion is that uh, Hollywood is just flat out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually evidenced by... Uh, I. So I am 29. My wife is 26. She'll be 27 here in a couple uh, months. And she told me that this past Sunday, for the first time, she had a youth student truly make her feel ancient. Wow. That's impressive. I've been feeling ancient for a while, so... Yeah. Um... But she's younger than us, so it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but she had a youth student tell her, because you you may be aware that uh, they have made a remake 
uh, of the movie Mean Girls. Yep. Uh, which I believe is now out in theaters. And th- in this student remarked, like, yeah, they remade Mean Girls with actual famous people in it. And Michaela thought to herself, huh, I didn't know Lindsay Lohan was not was, was not famous. <laughs> uh, I believe that uh, Rachel McAdams is is the kind of the lead uh, mean girl mm-hmm. uh, who also plays the love interest of Doctor Strange in the Marvel movies. Yep. So apparently that's not famous enough. Uh, so I don't know who the kids nowadays think is quote unquote famous, but it's not who is famous to us. Yeah, I. Uh, it's weird how that happens. Yeah. So we're. Uh, I, I think when when they start remaking movies that they made when you were like, like you went to see the original. That's, that's a good sign that you're well, Disney's old. been doing that for years. Like, like they, I mean, they've haven't come out. I guess they've come up with a few, but the mainstream of Disney's revenue lately has been like live action of right. But that's classic. what I, that's what I'm saying that yeah. Hollywood's just out of ideas. Yeah. Like come up with an original thought, please. We're, we're paying good money to pirate these movies. <laughs> We will. <laughs> no, I I do think that uh, we we need to get some original thinkers in in Hollywood. Enough of the remakes, enough of the live actions. Uh, nobody wants that. We make just a movie about us. <clears throat> oh, I did see. Um, they are also working on a. Uh, oh my, uh, Top Gun three. Oh, good. <laughs> so there. While we're talking about sequels and remakes and all that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that'll be, that'll be, now that I could see being good because the one that they just came out with, the uh, Top Gun Maverick was, was so excellent. Good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. So I'm hoping that, uh, that we get another good one here. So well, well done. See. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're not here just to talk about movies and, uh, popular culture because clearly we are out of our element when it comes to that. Um, no, we are here in episode 99, which before we dive in, uh, we want to highly encourage you guys to, uh, check out episode 100 dropping next week. What a special uh, one. We've got some special stuff planned, uh, some surprises. Uh, it might not be just Derek and I, uh, and so we are, we're really excited about that. It'll be a lot of fun, but, uh, we today, are going to be having a conversation about a aspect of philosophy in in youth ministry. We're going to get philosophical, Derek. You ready for this? No, <laughs> <laughs> but thanks thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, you know we we want to make sure that we're on the same page, even if we're not qualified to be on that page. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we are we are going to be talking today, asking the question: uh, Should youth ministries be seeker friendly? Uh, for those of you who, I don't know how you've, you know, gotten to this point, unless you are literally a brand new Christian, I feel like most people have an idea of what a seeker friendly church tends to be. Uh, you will have, uh, basically, I mean, it's basically exactly what it sounds like. Uh, you know, seeker friendly churches aim to, Ooh, I pressed a button on my computer and I don't know what I did. Interesting. Anyways, uh, see, it looks like we're still recording, so I'm just going to ignore it. Seeker-friendly churches are, they, they tend to be seeker-friendly. They tend to 
you know, the sermons are geared toward people who are either brand new or what one of my coworkers describes as pre-believers, which I think is an excellent way to describe it. Uh, and they're, they're constant, like everything that they do is geared toward that demographic. Mm -hmm. I I guess that is, or at least a vast majority of what they do is geared toward that demographic. That'd be the simplest way I can think of, uh, to define a seeker friendly church. Yeah. I think it's important to kind of draw a line in the sand here because I think a lot of times when you hear seeker friendly, there's kind of this mentality that kind of divides a seeker friendly church from a deeper church in the sense of when I've heard of a seeker friendly church, it's used in a connotation of they're only seeker friendly. There's no depth. There's no connection. There's no, and maybe not no, but there's, there's little right of like, or at least not emphasized. Right. And so I feel like, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in depth. Um, but I don't think it it has to be that case. I don't think you have to be deep or seeker friendly. Like I really actually would advise against being one of the two. Uh, I think there is merit to both and there is a need for both to various capacities, which we'll, we'll talk about. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys want to kind of get that out in the open. Cause again, I think a lot of times when you hear seeker friendly, uh, you, you kind of, we just talked about politics, right? Like we just talked about how like sometimes there's this division of you're on this side or this side. Like ironically enough, that same mentality can trickle into the church of you are either seeker friendly or not. And uh, it doesn't have to be the case. So, which we'll talk about in length, but uh, it's a, it's a great question. Cause I think it's something that is going to come up at some point in your ministry, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, it's going to come up at some point. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I, I can think of, several, you know, kind of sub questions that we want to tackle here, uh, or, or arguments to be made on one side or the other. But I, I agree with you that the philosophy of, of church is a spectrum. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not black or white. Uh, that was a really bad, uh, example, but it's not, you know, it has to be in one camp or the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you have to be seeker friendly. You have to be, uh, you know, Bible thumping, uh, you know, hard into theology. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think when it comes to youth ministry, especially you, you have to remember, and we've talked about this before, you know, this, the, one of the downsides of youth ministry is that all of your kids leave and, uh, your, your congregation changes over depending on, you know, what ages you, you have. Like for me personally, we've got sixth grade through 12th grade, which means at a minimum, my entire congregation changes over every seven years in practice, 95% of my congregation changes over every four to five years. Right. You know, it's pretty rare to have a student very plugged in from the day they're in sixth grade all the way through 12th grade. Right. Uh, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but having that, uh, mindset in youth ministry can very easily lead to, well, we need to touch on just the basics of what is going on. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that we are reaching as many students as possible. And there's some really good statistics to back that up. I think, uh, you know, it's a, I don't have the stat off the top of my head because why do research before the episode? But it's not, it's not a thing. Some, it's like 80% 
of Christians come to faith before the age of 18. Yep. It's a lot. And so if you are looking at that stat, you know, you it's, I think it's pretty easy to come to the conclusion. Like it doesn't matter what the depth is. I need to get them in the door and get them saved while they're in youth. And, and we can figure the rest out later. Yeah. Which I think even, even saying that language though, like I think pastors, especially youth pastors, can put an undue amount of pressure on themselves uh, with that. Like, obviously, we need to do our due diligence. We need to be intentional. Like, we can't take this lightly. I mean, that stat is legitimate for a reason. I mean, there's there's a lot of, of, of growth that needs to happen from 0 to 18 because more than likely, wherever you go after that, your whole life perspective gets questioned. Everything. Like when you go to college, when you go to the workplace, like when you are surrounded by other people with different life perspectives or life mantras or or theologies for that matter, you really have to sit there and question what do I believe and why do I believe it? And so if there's no foundation there, you're putting students in, in kind of a precarious situation. But all of that said... I think youth pastors get burnt out when they feel as if all of that pressure is 100% on them. Like, again, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't take it seriously, but I am saying, like, what does the word say? Like, the word says that, like, it's Jesus who brings the growth. It's Jesus who changes hearts. It's Jesus who stirs hearts. It's Jesus who kind of does that. So, you know, we, we need to be so intentional to understand what is our role as pastors, because like, I don't care how good of a communicator you are. don't care how good of a pastor you are. You don't have the power within yourself to save somebody. And that's not like a hot take. That's like, that's not like a a theological stance. Like we all know that I think in our heart of hearts, we know that with our head, but like to flip this on its head, I think there are people and pastors who, when they fail, when they do something wrong, they feel as if they kept that student from being saved. And that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, that's uh, it. It's tough to, I I mean, get it. It doesn't even have to just be youth. Like I think this is this is something that's tough for pastors in general. Right. I'm I'm trying to find uh, the the statistic that I mentioned earlier, and I am having a hard time doing it because the internet is vast. Uh, it's a vast vat, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I'm seeing as statistics as high as 94% of Christians I say, I, I thought it was even uh, make the make the decision to follow Christ uh, before 18, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm uh, here's says 77% before 18, 95 before 30. Uh, you also see it, it's tough because the statistics also point to this is kind of a rabbit trail, but what else are we good for here on the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast? There, there's a there's a lot of people that come to faith in their teenage years or, or childhood years, uh, walk away from their faith in their 20s, and then once they start having kids, they come back to right. it. Uh, and so it's not always a, a linear process, but that actually brings up uh, a pretty good point that a lot of times you'll see... All churches, to some extent, but a lot of times a more seeker-friendly church is going to be targeting those uh, young families because yep. they know that that age demographic typically is coming back to church uh, with their kids. They're like, hey, I feel like this is something I want to raise my kid with. Uh, this is the community that I want for them. 
And so they'll be coming back and, and that's the, the demographic that, uh, you know, seeker friendly churches are targeting. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'd say. Yeah. It, uh, and I think we should just dive right into this because I think that there is this, this tension that, that especially I would say, especially in youth ministry, you feel, um, of, I want to be relevant. I want to be attractive enough as a ministry to get kids in the door. Why not? I, I think a lot, I think some people have an ego. I, I straight up do. I think some people, they, they get their measure of success based upon how large their ministry is. I'm not naive to think that there aren't some pastors out there who are that way. However, I think there are a lot of people that understand that it's not about the butts in the seats. It's about souls. And I think, there, there is a measure to that. However, I think there is this very, very real pressure as a youth pastor where you feel as if you need to be relevant enough, attractive enough, seeker-friendly enough to get kids in the door. I mean, it's... I'm going to date myself by saying this, but like it, you kind of alluded to it earlier, <clears throat> even at 28, 29, Kyle, we are, we are out of touch with what is relevant within the lives of our students right now, which is bonkers to think about the fact that we're, we're hardly 10 years removed from being in their shoes yet. We are vastly out of touch, but it, it's even easy to see. You just used the word bonkers in a sentence. Thank there you. you go. Out of t- <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> There's going to be lots more of those, I presume. Oh dear. But like, think about how much faster life is than it yeah. was for us, uh, us. Like, there's between TikTok and social media and all these different things. Like, there is just their life moves faster. Their attention span is shorter. Uh, they're not nearly as impressed as easily as we were. I mean, because of their phone. I mean, you you see every single thing on the internet now. If you go on TikTok, you see someone who does amazing things. You see uh, experiences that are amazing. And so it takes a lot more to impress them a lot less. If you're following what I'm saying there, like mm-hmm. you, it, there's there's a lot more you have to do to impress someone who is aged 13 to 18. And so you feel that as a youth pastor to sit there and go, what can I do? What do I have to do to make it so that kids want to come in the door? Because that is a legitimate thing. Seeker friendly or not, like you, you want to reach people. Like, and I think that's a distinction you have to make. Are you, are you trying to get kids in the door because you want a bigger youth ministry or are you trying to get them in the door because you want them to experience Jesus? And that seems like a simplistic question, but it's the heart of what you're trying to do. And you have to ask yourself, why do I want kids in the door? And I think you got to start there before you even talk about how to, mm-hmm. you know? But, uh, I, again, I, where is it going with that? Like it ultimately, um, I think that you have to sit there and go, how do I get kids in the door? And I have some thoughts on how I think, how I've seen it, how I've seen Riley do it. Um, but I, I'd be curious to know kind of how that lands for you and where you ride that tension. Yeah. Um, I have always kind of ascribed to the, um, philosophy, I guess is the word that we're using strategy of, I want to create something that our students are excited and passionate about. And that is going to, you know, draw other students in and it's going to, 
you know, create something that they actually want to invite people to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've seen I've seen youth ministry done where you know there's various events where there's a heavy emphasis on invitation. There's you know incentives for whoever invites the most friends or, or whatever. Uh, and, and I've always used the mantra, how you get them is how you have to keep them. And so if I've got an, a, a, you know, a crazy event where, uh, you know, we're going to give away a, like 12 TVs and, and a bunch of AirPods and different things, uh, if, if we have that event and that's why students are coming when we stop giving stuff away, then we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we do have like we have one event a year where we just give a ton of stuff away and different drawings and prizes and different things. Yeah. Uh, but we do that our way, and what I mean by that is like we will have a we'll have a drawing like hey we're gonna you know draw somebody's name uh you know we draw somebody's name we bring them up on stage and that kid wins uh you know some passes to a local amusement park. Mm-hmm. And we bring the next kid up on stage and, and we draw, you know, we draw a name and that kid comes up and they win a wheel of cheese. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just super random stuff. We right. gave, we literally gave away a tree one year. <laughs> uh, you know, we just find these random things to, to give away in intermixed with things that, you know, are, are a little bit of higher value, I guess. But that's our personality as a youth ministry. Like we're, we're going to be a little goofy with it because our students are attracted to that humor and, and that we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Uh, that is attracted that authenticity that authenticity is attractive to students mm. and when they see that that's something that they will invite their friends to we have we've experienced that they will invite their friends to all on their own uh and and it doesn't become something that we have to push or it doesn't have become something that we have to placate to by mm-hmm. you know I, i'm gonna say it this way and, and i'm not intending for it to be uh you know demeaning or putting down in any way but you know, I don't want to have to water down what we are doing in order to make it attractive to somebody new coming in the door. Yeah. And and that's where I'm going to get to this thought here in a little bit, but a lot of times to seek after people, it feels like it's a monetary seek. And, and what I say, and what I mean by that is you are, you are either rolling out some high class entertainment you're either doing a bunch of giveaways. You are um, doing some big monetary investment to get kids in the door. And again, there, there is a time and a place for that. Like I, we would be hypocrites if we said there wasn't because you and I have both modeled that in the way that we minister. Uh, and, and there is that, that very thing. But uh, we, we, we've kind of, we've, we've talked about this in length that I love, I love how you say that Kyle. like how you get them there is how you keep them there. Uh, I've seen this multiple times. You you do a big giveaway night and you have, you know, 150% of your normal attendance. You know, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. You get a picture, you you celebrate that, and then the next Wednesday comes around and you're less than your normal attendance. And it's like, what? <laughs> Where did they all go? You know, uh, and, and it's discouraging. And so let me just kind of encourage you with with this truth or with this reality is, is that if you are trying to keep up with the world to uh, – buy these kids affection and their attention, you're going to lose. Uh, you're, you're just going to lose. There's, there's not enough money in the world to keep these students here. Uh, we, we see this, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's incredible to me how, uh, 
in our culture, in our society, entitlement continues to only rear its head in a more aggressive way. Uh, kids are, kids are less impressed by, by things. I mean, imagine, uh, this is, this is crazy to think about, but I remember when my mom got an iPhone for the first time, I like, I remember it vividly cause I was like, she has an iPod touch and a phone combined. Yeah. Like, and now we're dating ourselves here, right? Like an oh, yeah. iPod touch was, was oh, yeah. an iPod touch was like the thing. So my mom got an iPhone. It was like, it literally blew my mind that she could have an iPod and a phone combined into one thing. And like it was the coolest thing. Same same concept. When the iPad came out, I was like, "Whoa, this screen is huge! This is super cool!" You know, and, and like it was awesome. Like it blew my mind. And now, like you have fourteen year olds, fifteen year olds who get an iPhone fifteen and are ticked off when it's the wrong color. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And like I'm I'm not here to slam students. Like that's, that's not what I'm saying. But like my point is like. There's just less of a wow factor because they've seen so much in their world. They've seen so many things happen that there's just less that impresses them in terms of worldly possessions. And so if you are sitting here spinning your wheels trying to figure out how can I create something, how can I buy something that wows them, you're going to lose because even if you do have something that wows them temporarily, it is that just that it is, it's momentary. It, it, it's, it's not going to last long. And I'm kind of like revealing my cards here, but if you want to impress the kids and you want to get students on board with something, it's not about what you can buy. It's what you can create. It's about what you can offer as a youth ministry for an experience. And uh, that to me is what kids get excited about. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I want to, um, go down a, a similar trail here, but first I feel like I have to ask, uh, Derek, what, what, do you remember what the first phone was that you had? Um, kind of, I had, uh, it was a Nokia. It was like yep. a tiny like, like little the flip brick. phone. No, no. Oh, okay. It, it, it was like the brick, but then that was like just a prepaid burner phone. If you will, my first true phone that I had, was a Motorola razor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was spoiled. It was like the super thin flip yep. phone. You had the T9 texting where you had to, yep. all of, our students are like, what's T9 texting? Oh, ask your parents. It was the glory days of phone communication. Uh, I had a, so I, we had a Nokia flip phone, just this brick of a phone that chuck uh, it against the wall and it'd be just when fine. I, yep, when I was in middle school, uh, my sister and I were both on traveling basketball teams. And so we would, you know, whoever was out of town, uh, if my parents couldn't be there, they'd send the phone with us, uh, to just, to just to have and be able to communicate back home. But I had a, it, it had like a golf game on it. It uh-huh. had snake and, uh-huh. and Pac-Man and then it had a golf game on it that I loved loved playing. Uh, and then I got, uh, what I upgraded, man. I got a, I don't even, I don't remember the brand. I think it was an LG phone. Uh, but it was one of those that it had a touch screen, but then it slid out to oh, a, yeah. and turned to a full keyboard. Yep. Uh, man, I thought I was so cool. Was it the sidekick? Is that what it was called? Yeah, it might have been. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, it was like it. It would slide out. Uh, I'm sure this is going to make an appearance on the uh, out of context. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure it was the sidekick, and I don't know why I remember this, but like Dwayne Wade was like one uh, one of the big spokespersons for for the sidekick at the time. Um, yeah. Oh no, it was this one. It was the uh, the LG Expression. Wow. 
right there. Here, I'll I'll turn. This is gonna do nothing for our friends listening, but I'll turn the phone. The, so oh Derek my can see word. here. Uh, it was it was some prime stuff. I was incredible at uh, texting under the desk during school. Oh yeah, uh, totally. Didn't, didn't have to look at the phone. I just slide it out and type away. I was pretty good at you know, it. Kyle, you can get one of those on eBay for nineteen ninety nine right cannot. now. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to look at getting a different phone. I might have to, man. That's a uh, that's I, I listen to so we'll we'll give a shout out to good friends of the show uh, over at the podcast called How to Money. Uh, great podcast, highly recommend. They're they're great guys over there. Uh, I say that like we know them personally, uh, but they, we are peers in the podcasting space. Uh, but they they have a segment they'll do on their show sometimes called Cheap or Frugal, and and they'll uh-huh. like you know like hey I did this like the other day was that cheap or was it frugal? Uh, this one. I don't know if it's cheap or frugal, but it would sure bring back some some great some memories. Nostalgia, yeah. Anyways, uh, so I wanted to just you know pivot a little bit because we've been talking so far about uh, how you get people in the door mm-hmm. and, and different philosophies for that when it comes to uh, you know seeker friendly churches or I don't know if there's like a specific term of what you'd call the opposite of a seeker friendly church, but. Uh, the other side of the conversation, I think, is now that they're in the door, what do you talk about? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what do you do with that? Uh, how deep do you go in different conversations and different topics? Uh, that, that would be the other thing that uh, I think we could spend a little bit of time talking about as far as when it comes to specifically youth ministry, mm-hmm. uh, is there a depth that you should not go to, uh, you know, in a Wednesday night sermon? Uh, is there a depth that you should go to in a Wednesday night sermon? Like, what does that look like? Do you have any initial thoughts? Yeah, but it feels like a complete cop-out answer. Oh, this should be good. Yeah. It depends. No, I no, no, no. no. It, it, it's nothing like that. I, I, I just truly think that the Lord has put you in that position for a reason. And if you are truly pressing into the Lord for yourself, which you should be, um, he's going to tell you what to speak. You know, he, he, as, as you read things, you're going to naturally just like this, this sticks out to me. And here's what I have made a habit of doing, not just like on a Sunday morning, but just as, as a youth ministry is like, you don't need to sell your people short. Like you, if, if God's speaking something to you, you should be able to communicate that in a way that they understand, you know, like you don't have to sit there and go, Oh, this is too deep for them. Like if it's too deep for them, then that's on you as a teacher to be able to bring them on with you. You know, um, I think of like a school teacher odds are, and hopefully a school teacher probably knows more than the students. At least they probably should. But what makes a good teacher a good teacher as opposed to a bad teacher is they have the ability to instill quality information to them in a way that they understand. So to me, it's not a matter of how deep, it's a matter of how well can you communicate that depth. And what I mean by that practically is a lot of times if, if God's speaking something to me uh, that is, is for me or for our youth ministry and it feels a little deep, I just have a lot of on-ramps. 
like, hey, like this is what the word says. You know, this is in the book of Matthew, which is in the beginning of the New Testament. If you go here, this is what it means. You kind of do a little synopsis, like why the gospel has four books. Like you can really kind of communicate a way in which even deep scriptural truths you can explain plainly in a way that they understand. Yeah, this kind of gets into the uh, topical versus expository preaching Mm -hmm. conversation. Uh, We touched on this. If you go back and listen to episode 15, uh, when we talked about becoming a better speaker, as well as episode 30, uh, when we talked about biblical literacy, we kind of talked, we touched on this in in both of those episodes. So we'll touch on it again here. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, topical sermons is the idea of I'm going to preach on the love of God. Yeah, and you know, there's there's no it, there there might not be one specific chunk of scripture that mm-hmm. I'm going to read through as I talk about the love of God. I might be pulling scripture from a few different places. Uh, you know, it's more of a concept that I'm that I'm hitting on. Yeah, versus expository preaching would be. Uh, you know, I'm going to teach on uh, some miracles Jesus did. So mm-hmm. we're going to take this miracle. We're going to read these 20 verses, not necessarily all of them, but like this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, these 20 verses is what I'm going to preach on. Yeah. And I can still pull some other scriptures in, yep. but for the most part, that's where, that's where I'm landing. Yeah. Uh, I, the, uh, Derek and I have talked about this. We, we are both on the same page. The longer that we are in ministry, the more expository preaching we do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the percentage was when I, when, when I started in ministry, and I'm not sure what the percentage is now, but it's definitely you know, started to lean more and more toward expository preaching because you can get into, like Derek said, you can get into the nitty gritty. You can get into the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be uh, really, really valuable. I- I'm pulling up uh, the Google sheet that I have of the sermons that we've done so far in, uh, in, in this year. Um, of the... Uh, let's see. So I have preached 20 sermons so far this school year. And of those 20 sermons, we're going to take out those ones, 15 of the 20. Uh, I'm sorry. I have not preached 20 sermons by the end of the series that we are in. I will have preached 20 sermons. And, uh, that is of, of the 20, 15 of them are expository five were topical. And so that, that honestly, that sounds about right. Yeah. And what I, what I like about this, this this kind of was going to say too, like, I also want to just kind of make myself clear too. uh, full disclosure. I've never done a sermon series on the book of revelation. Um, Fair. <laughs> uh, I've never, I've never done a sermon series on what the end times are going to look like. Um, not because they're not important, not because they're too deep inherently. It was just for our group and 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 where we were at at the time. It just didn't feel like it was the right thing. But that's an excellent point to bring up here as we talk about you know, your students changing over every seven years when you're in youth ministry. I don't think that there's any part of the Bible you should never preach to youth students. However, uh, that brings up an excellent point that like, hey, time and a place. I've never done a series on Revelation on Wednesday nights with our youth students, but we have gone through Revelation with our high school Bible study. 
And I think that that that's a much better context for something for a conversation like that uh, than a Wednesday night would be because. I don't think it's that it's too deep for them. It's that there's going to be a lot more questions than answers. And so when you have a Bible study, it's much more welcomed for them mm-hmm. to ask those questions. Yeah. You know, and even some conversations where it's like, hey, this might be a little drier than yeah. I'd like a Wednesday night to be. Yeah. But if you get the students that are really interested and want to press in, mm-hmm. it's not going to be dry for them. It's going to be exciting. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and and that's again that's that's where I was going with this whole thing is is if you start drawing drawing and oh, I keep saying that like all day I don't I, I haven't said that like at all in my life recently but if you keep trying to distinguish between that's too deep that's not deep enough you're already in treacherous territory because now you're relying yeah. upon your wisdom instead of what God's asking you to speak on it's why it's so important we beat this uh, over the head so many times like if you're a pastor you have to be grounded in who you are with Christ because if you seek after Christ for yourself, your overflow, he, he will speak to you what you are to speak to your students. It has to be an anchor. We, we, I'm not going to go into it because we've talked about it so much. Uh, but again, like it, if you just start saying that's too deep, that's not deep enough, you're relying on your wisdom. You're not relying on what God's asking you to speak on. And so I've never sat there and gone, oh, that's too deep for them. I've sat there and gone, this is what God's put on my heart. How can I communicate this effectively? And that's what you have to do as a youth pastor or sit there and go, this is maybe a deeper concept. How can I make this understandable? Yeah. Uh, so here's here's a good question for you. See, the longer, we talk about the longer I've been in youth ministry, the more expository preaching I've done. Right. Another one is that the longer I've been in youth ministry or, or in ministry in general, the more that I see the purpose or or, or a, a a good coming from seeker friendly churches. Uh, there is a church near us that I would flat. It's it is a I'm, by all metrics it's a mega church. They've mm-hmm. got you know seven eight nine different campuses. Uh, they're you know collectively they are very large. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they I would a hundred percent describe them as a seeker friendly church. Mm-hmm. What is the like like is there a good that like do you need a balance in a community i guess is my question like if you have like some seeker friendly churches and some uh you know not seeker friendly churches uh if you have seeker friendly youth ministries and not seeker friendly youth ministries can that be healthy for a community in general uh you know or is is the danger that you run you get somebody in a seeker friendly church and they just grow complacent there and they never actually grow out of that which is which is understandable you know like that i think that that happens and um to get to give the, this church the credit it deserves um i actually sat down with some of the pastors of this church once um just to kind of glean obviously we're a church that is a fraction of their size but you know I, we should learn 
Like, right. I, and that, that's, that's a whole side topic. Like it don't think if you're not a seeker friendly church, that you're better than the seeker friendly church. Cause there is a purpose to that, which I'm going to get to. And I, I think you and I are both on the same page. Like we're not saying that that's against that. Um, but like that was their, their mission was like, we want to, we want to attract those people that wouldn't normally step foot into a church by creating this more like a concert, mm-hmm. more like an experience that, you know, they might never step foot into a church, but they'll go to um, U.S. Bank Stadium and go to a concert. They'll go to the Armory and go to a concert. They'll they'll go to the club and, 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 and do that kind of thing. And so not that we want to copy them, but like we want to make it to somewhere where they're comfortable where they can hear the hope of Christ. And how do you argue with that? Um, and you might say, you go, well, that's easy to argue with that. Here's what I would also say. Throughout the gospel, not that Jesus was a seeker friendly, but he attracted large crowds by doing miracles. Like all throughout the gospel, you see Jesus doing miraculous things and people would follow him by the thousands. You know, they would crowd him. That's true. But, you know, the the miracles Jesus did, one, were always, always to point people to his divine nature. Agreed. Which, you know, I'm not saying that churches can't do that. Yep. Uh, but the other thing that we see throughout, that we definitely see pattern throughout scripture, throughout the gospels especially, obviously, is that Jesus did not like mm-hmm. people following him just because of the miracles. Right. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, there, there are times where he says things like the crowd starts to get a little big Mm -hmm. and he will intentionally say things to weed out the people that are just there for the miracles that are just there for the big lights and the fog machines and the drummers, you know, hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> That'd uh, be sweet. There's, there's that TikTok video that makes an appearance every Christmas. He, he also, in, again, I'm, 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 I'm purely painting the picture for both sides here on purpose. I'm not trying yeah. to talk about both sides of my mouth. Um, he also <sighs> did say, like, don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. When he did these miracles, like yep. don't tell anybody. Um, it's, it's, it's not my more time often yet. than not. It was hey, le- like don't go. Yeah. Don't go spreading the news on this. And that what you just laid out is exactly my point. It's the long way to your answer is that Jesus had crowds, but he also did things to get to the heart of why he was here because he knew there were people who were only there for the miracles. They had zero desire to follow. They had zero desire to learn. They had zero desire to change for that matter. They only wanted to be there for the show and they only wanted to be there to maybe get whatever he had. Uh, and so to answer your question, is there an exact science to an ideal community? Maybe. Um, you know, I, I think you and I have both experienced this. We have people, um, that have walked through our church, our individual churches that have gone, I used to go to that church because I was a long way from the Lord and I got saved in that church, but now I just want something a little bit different. And what they're not saying is I want something a little bit more connected. I want something a little bit more, I I hate to use the word deeper because I'm not going to sit here and project what I think that church has. But basically what what they said is there there was just a another level that that was missing. There, I I'd be I'm comfortable saying using the word deeper because that's the word that I've heard come okay. out of people's mouths in this scenario. Sure. Yeah, and and, and again like it's 
to, to come to this example, is that healthy? Is that effective? If, if people are getting saved at this church and they're coming to a church like yours that has more connectedness, has more theology, has more depth, whatever it is, is that healthy? I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm not, I can't articulate whether that's what, what it's meant to be. What I do know is that when you look at the early church, they were kind of put t- together geographically to like just wherever you live mm-hmm. that's your place you get connected you serve you grow you do life together this whole church hopping mentality was so far from the original intention of the early church yep. and so that's that's my only worry with this model of you know you get saved here at the flashy church then you go to the deeper church, you know, like that progression just kind of feels a little icky to me, to be honest with you. Um, so it, it's, again, I, I, I don't quite know. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not in a spot where I'm ready to poo poo the church down the street. That's doing incredible things because they are doing incredible things. Um, I also don't love this concept of, mm, they didn't have what I want. So I'm going to go to this church. Cause what that inevitably does is you are going to forever become a hopper. Yep. Forever. Because there's never, ever going to be a church that perfectly fulfills what you want as a consumer. Yeah. It's a dangerous spot to be in. If you've been... <clears throat> whoa. That was, what was wrong with my voice? T-Pain is uh, in the house. Yeah. <laughs> If you have been to, you know, four or five churches in the last 10 years uh, that not attended, but like, you know, I this is my church for two years and then this is my church for th- two or three years. Like if, if that's your story, then some introspection is maybe necessary uh, because that's not, Derek's absolutely right. That was not at all what was intended. And, you know, you, you kind of have to look at the the pattern there. Uh, you know, if, if you leave a church because uh, the senior pastor punched you in the face, then first of all, what is going on at that church? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'd like, okay, yeah, that that's a great reason mm-hmm. to leave. Uh, if you leave three churches because, you know, you hate the youth pastor at all of them, like, okay, well, this is, feels like no youth pastor meets your expectations. Why are your expectations the way that they are? Yeah. And, and you know, what's, what's deeper going on here? I think my, to kind of sum up my thoughts on this, I think there's always going to, the, the first question is always going to be like, God is calling you as a youth pastor to something. What is that? Who yeah. are you as a youth pastor? Yep. That's got to be the first question. You know, I, we've, we've talked about it at length. We just did a whole series on the season that my church is in. And I am facing the proposition of a new pastor coming in. And, you know, that's my new boss. That's my new leader. And I am submitting to follow their vision. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm not going to lose who I am and change who I am in order to follow that new vision. Those things need to come under, you know, they, there has to be some alignment there or else, you know, this isn't the spot for me going forward. Right. I have to stay true to what God has called me to do as a youth pastor. I've got to be in alignment with his will mm-hmm. on this. I've got to be seeking after him on this. And, and then at the end of the day, I would rather create, I'm going to use the word create loosely here. I would rather produce maybe 
have a youth ministry that produces, you know, five to 10 solid, solid Christians Mm -hmm. in per graduating class Mm -hmm. than a, than a youth ministry that produces 20 to 30 Christians per graduating class. And of those 20 to 30, 75 to 80% in line with modern statistics are going to walk away from their faith in the next four years. Right. Cause there's no depth, no roots. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, if you like, I'd rather domino it and say, Hey, I'm going to send five to 10 world changers out. And then they, over the next 10 years, they're going to bring 10 more people to Christ. I like that math better. It's also kind of the formula of Jesus. True. He literally, I mean, again, I, he poured into everybody, right? But his focus, his fixation was on empowering and equipping and really just pouring into these 12 men, 11 of which went out. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a whole other thing for that too. And I think we could pull out of there. But I just think of the reason Kyle and I are in these seats by a domino effect is because of the investment of those 11. I thought you were going to say the reason we're in these seats is because we wanted to talk and pretend like people wanted to listen to us. <laughs> that is, that is a good assumption, <laughs> but like, like you're, you're, you're so spot on and that, that is, I'm going to fully play my hand here is should you be a seeker friendly church in the sense of what we have deemed seeker friendly? Probably not. Okay. Like you probably shouldn't just strictly be in, I'm going to make, try and find out a $20,000 budget so I can have pizza parties every single Wednesday night and we can give away AirPods the last night or the last ones every month. Like that, that's probably not going to work out well for you. However, like you should be a seeker from the church. If being a seeker from the church means you want kids in the door that are not yet in the door. Like you should be, if that's what we're going to call a seeker from the church, because that could be the justification. But here's what I think I have seen Riley, a huge shout out to Riley. Um, uh, just so our listeners are all aware, who is Riley? Our youth, my youth pastor. Got it. Thank you. Um, he has done an incredible job of of kind of leaning into this this reality that Gen Zers are not dumb. They are not superfluous. They are not just only surface level. They want real. They want authentic. They are hungry for God in their life. Uh, and and not all of them, okay? I'm not going to just paint with broad brush strokes, but there are a healthy margin of students that are in youth ministry that they want depth. They want hunger. And so instead of trying to buy their affection, take them deeper in their faith because that will naturally be attractive. It will. Like if you... If you have solid scriptural preaching, if you create opportunities for them to worship, even if that worship is a YouTube video or an acoustic guitar and that, if you create experiences for them to have fun, like that naturally will be attractive and they will be so fired up about what's happening in your church that they will want to bring students with them. And that to me, if you want to see kids come in the door, it's not about flash. It's about fellowship. You have to be able to get kids in the door as a word of mouth. It's how the gospel was spread. The 11 took it to the areas who took it to their area and then they left, you know, and then that church grew. Like if you want to see your youth ministry, have new kids come in the door, it's not going to come from you just being an amazing person who puts on an amazing event. It's going to come from the hand and the mouth and the feet of their fellow peers 
who are so fired up to go to church on Wednesday nights that they can't help but bring them with them. And they're also living so differently that, and, and in a way that is attractive to people where they're saying something is different about them. What is it? Yeah. I think one of the best ways to sum this up is that Jesus did not do miracles to attract people. Right. Jesus had miracles and that attracted people. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the difference. And, uh, you know, whether your ministry is riddled with miracles or not, the, the point is, uh, you've got Jesus, Mm -hmm. you have the greatest news. Any of these students have ever heard, uh, live it out. Yeah. And, and that's going to, you know, if you, if you are truly following Jesus, how he was, how he calls us to follow him. Uh, that's that's going to be something that's attractive on its own to all of the other students that they meet. And how encouraging is that? Because no longer do you have to sit here and try to study, you know, marketing and study how do I, you don't have to sit here and try and come up with this master plan. Yeah, there's time to strategize, but at the end of the day, th- that simplifies things in the sense of, your again, it goes back to your pursuit. If you're pursuing the Lord and being passionate about what He's calling you to do, that's naturally going to work itself out. And so, don't try to become this master of all. You you just have to go after the go after the Lord and do what He's calling you to do, and just get ready because you're going to see cool things, you know. And I don't know. I just I, this is my last. This is my last little soapbox. Like it's tiring to try to be that that youth ministry that has all of it together. It's, it's exhausting to try and, cause if you're trying to be that youth ministry down the road that has 150 kids, 200 kids, it's cool. Like it's amazing. Like I'm not taking anything away from them, but like maybe that's not who God's called you to be. Maybe that's not what he's called you to do. And if you are trying to spend all your energy and trying to become something you're not, it's going to frustrate you and it's going to exhaust you. And so get comfortable with the fact that God's called you to your area. He's called you to do what he's called you to do. And who cares how big or small the other church is down the road because that's what God has for them, not for you. So yeah, you focus on you. Maybe maybe a good goal for our listeners who are youth pastors would be look at, look at this, this is homework for them. Look at your goals for your ministry and make sure that there are some goals on that list that don't have anything to do with numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things that I have done is uh, like, I have, I have goals for every event that we do, uh, all of those things that are numerical, but all of those numerical goals are percentages of our Wednesday night attendance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just to use round numbers, if I'm averaging a hundred students on Wednesday nights, I have an event where my goal is to have 75% of our Wednesday night attendance at that event. Mm-hmm. So if we're averaging hundred, I want to get 75 kids there. If we're averaging 50, I want to get 37 <laughs> of them there. <laughs> I should have, well that was done. a stupid number to pick. Uh, you know, that's, that's the goal uh, is, is the percentage because that's going to indicate it's, it's not just, I want numbers. It's I want health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have a, a high school Bible study. I want to, I want a percentage of my high schoolers on Wednesday nights to be there on Sunday nights. 
you know, we have this event where it's maybe geared more toward inviting friends. Maybe my goal is 125% or 150% of my Wednesday night numbers. And so that's where, uh, you know, maybe some, some goal setting that's not just about hitting triple digits. It's not just about hitting double digits. It's about the health of, of the ministry, uh, can be, can be helpful. And if you're in a healthy spot, you get excited about that, but you're not more excited than about the testimony of the girl in your youth ministry that just had this happen. You know, like, again, it's what you fix it on is what you celebrate, you know? And like, if you're only looking at numbers, you're going to miss the testimonies of your students and can't miss that. Yeah, that's true. All right. That does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us next week. Episode 100. Make sure you are there with us for our special triple digits, special episode. We were excited about triple digits. Yeah, we are. Let's go. Nobody. Uh, we had our doubters. We had the haters and we proved them all wrong next week. It's going to be great. So I, until then, I think it's about time that Derek and I go get some tickets to see the new Mean Girls movie. Goodbye. Goodbye.